And the very thought of going back to leading a stationary lifestyle is truly frightening to me. And that's what drives me and motivates me to make sure that this works. Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 108. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs. It is currently the first week of December right now, and I can't believe that we are wrapping up 2017. We are getting dangerously close to two years of the RV Entrepreneur podcast. And before we get started on today, I just want to say a couple things. One, I wanted to say thank you guys for listening and for leaving reviews. This has kind of been a crazy year for us. We, I mean, we've done a lot of traveling in the RV. We're still managing client work and getting campground booking going has just been a little bit nuts at times. So shifting focus between those three things, uh, creating content and running the business and all that good stuff. You guys have really been the encouragement and support that I need. You know, if I'm ever feeling a little bit down or thinking, man, my time is just uh, getting a little bit crazy right now. I, you know, I go look at reviews and I, or I'll get an email from somebody that says they, they listen to every episode and how meaningful that is to me. And uh, that really is what keeps this show fueled and keeps it going. So I just want to say thank you guys very, very much. And the second thing I wanted to say before jumping into this episode was really not saying something as much as asking you guys something. What do you want to hear on the podcast? A lot of times I will try to find guests or topics that you guys have asked for, either indirectly or directly through a message. Uh, Sometimes I just pull content from our Facebook group because I see what kind of questions people have before they're hitting the road. For example, a lot of people have been asking to have somebody on the podcast who could talk about forming an LLC while you're on the road and tax questions. And even though we've covered tax in one episode uh, with Adam Newburn, kind of digging into some other areas around actually forming the business and how that works, setting up a bank account and doing everything else whenever you live full time in an RV. And so I interviewed Heather Ryan, who is going to be coming out on a upcoming podcast episode to dig into those subjects. All that being said, I'd love to be able to create content around what you guys actually want to listen to. So drop me an email, heath at campgroundbooking.com, if you have any topics or people that you would like me to bring on the podcast. On today's episode, I talk with Marshall Windler of Finding Marshall. Marshall is one of those people that we have probably like 100 mutual friends, but we've never actually met in person. He started traveling around in an RV around the same time we did in the spring of 2014. And for the first couple of years, he worked a full-time job. And then, like so many others that we've met and talked with in this lifestyle, he realized that he wanted more freedom and he wanted to build something of his own. So he left his job and spent eight months building a website that it turned out nobody really wanted and that he didn't even want to build. And before going back and getting another job, he decided that he was going to give this another go. So he started a website called Camp Addict, which is long-form reviews of products that revolve around, well, camping. This was something that was near and dear to his heart, living in an RV, and it was a business he felt had a big gap and a big hole in the market. He's currently around the nine-month mark now of Camp Addict, and he's already starting to see some really impressive results. In this episode, we talk about why Marshall originally transitioned to living in an RV after his wife passed away, his love for the nomadic lifestyle and the nomadic community, And while it sounds obvious why it's so important to build a business that you actually care about and that you want to be doing and not just something that you think you can make a buck at. All right, support for today's episode is provided by Passport America. Passport America is the original 50% discount camping club and something that has saved Alyssa and I hundreds, if not thousands of dollars over the past few years. 
Participating campgrounds will give you a 50% discount rate for your stay. Plus, they have an easy-to-use app that lists out nearly all of their 1,900 locations. Considering a nightly rate for a campsite can be anywhere from $25 to $100 or more per night at the fancy campgrounds, you can literally make your money back from using Passport America the first time that you use it. To learn more and receive three extra months on your first year's membership, go to PassportAmerica.com and use the discount code RVE. All right, that's all for the sponsors. Let's get into today's show with Marshall Windler. Marshall, thanks for being on the podcast with me, man. It's nice to finally meet you. Um, you've been one of these elusive guys that I've heard about and wanted to meet, and finally. I've just been catfishing you the whole time. I'm actually not even real. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and you're you're really good at what you do because, you know, I've got all these mutual friends that – and you somehow have them fooled as well. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, as a good catfisher would, right? I yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. So you've been on the road now in your Lance travel trailer since like a month before we hit the road in 2014. We left in May. You left in April, and now you are running CampAddict.com, which is sourced very long, extensive, and thorough reviews of various RV products. And you went from uh, having a contracting job for a few years while on the road to running your own thing. So we'll, we'll kind of get into that. But before we did, like the name of your website is Finding Marshall, which I love. But what what was kind of the inciting incident for, for you to hit the road and start traveling in an RV? So ever since I was in my early 20s, I had this nomadic spirit or nomadic gene, nomadic pole. <laughs> And I actually looked at uh, living or buying a motorhome back then. I was married when I was 25, and my wife and I would go to RV shows all the time, and we would look at RVs for years and years and years, but I could never convince her to pull the trigger to move into one. She just, you know, she was happy to look at the RVs, but was not so happy about the idea of living in one full time. Unfortunately, she passed away about four years ago, four and a half years ago, and that just left me. And I, you know, it was a very life-changing moment for me. And I made the decision that now I need to follow my lifelong dream of becoming nomadic. And so I was fortunate enough to have a virtual job at the time, doing contract work for a software company, and. I decided to buy my Lance travel trailer and hit the road. So uh, April 9th of 2014 was my hit the road date. What was it about living on the road that like compelled you or drew you in? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I don't know that I could put my finger on one thing other than staying stationary, uh, living in suburbia, doing the nine to five grind, living the expected lifestyle is not something that appeals to me and when I was doing it I was truly miserable and the idea of hitting the road and traveling around and doing what I wanted was very appealing to me and it's worked out very well and it's still very appealing to me. So you you left and you had the same job as you did before you left so like you kept the same job through your transition to living on the road right? Correct. Yeah. I worked that job for something like four, four and a half years. And because it was totally virtual and I could actually set my own hours, 
it was the perfect job for me to transition to the life on the road. So yeah, that worked out really well. How did your life, I guess, change once you started traveling? The job was the same, but like, how did everything else change? You know, I like to say one of the things that changed drastically is my friends. When I was living stationary in sticks and bricks, I really didn't have any really good friends. And the nomadic community is awesome that way. I have so many what I would consider really good friends now, like I said, more so than I ever have in my adult life. That was a huge change for the better. It's also a lot more of a stress-free lifestyle in that you don't feel like you need to keep up with the Joneses. You don't need to do everything that you traditionally do when you're living in suburbia. And it's just a lot more relaxed, a lot more mellow. And I don't know, it's just a total mind shift. What do you think made you connect more with people who were nomadic? Obviously, there's a lot in common there. And we've we've experienced something pretty similar. It's like we had a big community in Austin. We both went to college there, so we had a lot of friends. But they were friends based on geography and not based on necessarily common values and aspirations. And so once we started meeting people on the road, it was you know, meeting people who had undergone similar life transitions to, to move everything to being remote. And, you know, we started really forming friendships, not necessarily based on geography, but because we aspired to live the same kind of life or, you know, we just got along. And But how has that played out for you? Like what made you attached to people who were on the road already? I think that you've hit the nail on the head there. It's it's a mindset, similar mindset things, similar experiences, similar decision to make that life-changing decision to move on the road and be nomadic kind of draws you to the same kind of people. It means that you have that shared similar experience, even though you may come from a totally different background or maybe a totally different age. You've got that same drive to pretty much say the heck with being quote-unquote normal in society, and I'm going to go pursue my dream of being nomadic. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really long after your your wife had passed away that you decided to go out and hit the road. Was there anything inside of you that was, like, you're going to live and be on your own? Was there any fear that you had with just, you know, loneliness of being on the road? Or did you not really have that fear because maybe you were meeting up with people and things like that? So after my wife passed away, I had to make a conscious decision. I could go one of two ways. I could become a hermit and really close up and do nothing with my life, or I could break out of my shell. I'm very introverted, so the idea of going out and meeting people was very scary to me. Uh, But I had a nice long conversation with myself, and I decided that that's what I needed to do because the idea of becoming a hermit really was not pleasing. wasn't exciting. So yeah, I mean, there was definitely a conscious decision there to follow this lifestyle. And yeah, you're right. It was, it was about 10 months after she passed away that I actually hit the road, but obviously there was some planning and leading up to that. So it was a fairly quick decision I said, man, I've got to do something and this is what I'm going to do. One thing that I'm interested in is that 
you know, some people, they go out and travel in an RV for six months and they're like, oh my gosh, that was an amazing six months and what a great experience. And a lot of people never do that. And so it's kind of like props to that person. And you've been on the road now for over three and a half years. And one of our kind of goals after that first six, seven months of travel, the question in the back of our minds was, how do we build sustainability around this lifestyle that we found that we really enjoy? And it's so much more than money. It's community too. And it's just making these long-term decisions. And I read on your blog that there's been periods of time where you just wore yourself out from excessive travel and like going really (laughs) fast. So I guess what I'm asking is like, how have you implanted like long-term thinking into the lifestyle that you've chosen? Well, one of the primary things I've done is I really don't have a plan B. I, I, I never said I'm going to do this for a year and then figure out what I want to do with my life. This was always a I'm doing this with no end time frame in sight. And that kind of forces you to figure things out quickly. And yeah, for the first year, I really did travel fast. And that's a, a big thing that or a big mistake that a lot of new nomads do is they feel necessary to be in tourist mode all the time just go 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 and that just is wearing and i have long since seen the error in my ways and now it's uh more common to stay in one place for two weeks and you know not actually move very far i think this year i've only done maybe six states I no longer need to put, you know, 20,000 miles a year under my belt. Actually, I never did that. But um, <laughs> it's it's amazing how little I actually move and how little I travel. So that helps it, to not wear myself out. Now it's more of an issue of I've got so many friends that I've got to watch out. Because you want to go visit them? Well, it's, it's, no, it's more like I need to make sure I don't wear myself out from being social because again, I'm introverted. So I need the time alone to recharge. And I've, I'm coming off of a stretch of about five months of being constantly social and I am wiped out. Mm. And, um, that's more of the issue I have now is, which is a really good problem to have, right? It's because you know, so many people, so many people that you want to see and spend time with. As an introvert, how have you went about making friends and building relationships on the road? And I, I want to, I want to get to you know Cambatic and things like that. But sometimes it, during these conversations, it's just good because you know I know like we kind of naturally air towards. There's three different parts of this podcast, which is business, travel, and RV life. And sometimes yes. it's like you've had a ton of experience with just RVing in the travel life. And I know Camp Addict is something real, relatively new. And I just, you have a ton of experience around, you know, living this lifestyle over the past year. So that's kind of why I'm digging into that a little bit before getting to the business stuff. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So the avenue that I've used to meet people is Instagram. And I was fortunate enough to get in with a great group of people the first month I was on the road. I left for my parents' place in Phoenix, which is where I had uh, sort of hunkered down for a few months while I got my travel trailer and figured out how to live this life on the road. And so I'd left Phoenix and went to visit my a good friend in Albuquerque. And I stayed there, I think, six weeks in the Albuquerque area. And during that time, I met a group of people who are still really good friends of mine. So right from the start, I had really good luck at meeting people. And from there, it just sort of snowballed. 
And it was all through Instagram. Uh, I reached out to the first group through Instagram and said, hey, I'm in the area. Let's meet. And you got to realize, you know, being an introvert, that was hard for me to do. But boy, (laughs) it's really paid off. Yeah. I mean, do you do you spend a lot of time trying to plan your route? Like I'm kind of interested because your work is fully remote like we've had various projects that kind of have pulled us to different locations across the country and even if you know the majority of the project is online you know maybe there's a week where we're doing a video shoot or something like that so how have you kind of plotted your travels over the past few years yeah i don't i don't plan (laughs) so (laughs) um yeah so that's sort of a double-edged sword right it's nice to not have to be anywhere but it's also difficult to not have to be anywhere because then you got to figure out where to go. So I'm really bad planning. I, I will plan around some events. The you know the, the eclipse. I was involved in an eclipse gathering in Idaho, so you know I knew I had to be somewhere at a certain time. My next quote unquote social obligation is going to be New Year's. Uh, it's becoming a tradition for a group of us to get together to uh, celebrate New Year's. So, you know, I know I'll have to be somewhere in Arizona at that time. But other than that, I really, I really don't plan. And sometimes, you know, like I said, I'll stay two weeks at one place. But sometimes as that two weeks is coming to a close, it's like, where, where am I going to go? And sometimes it's kind of hard to make that decision. So what happens is uh, a lot of the time I'll try to figure out where the nearest friend is. And, you may go visit them for a while, you know, nomadic friend, see if there's anybody in the area. And that may be the reason why I go somewhere. When you thought about living a nomadic lifestyle, what was that number one draw? And has that played out the way you thought it would? The number one draw was to not be stuck in suburbia and not do what is expected of you. To, to lead a life that I choose. And yeah, that's totally played out that way. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great. And the very thought of going back to leading a stationary lifestyle is truly frightening to me. And that's what drives me and motivates me to make sure that this works. Yeah. So, I mean, you had your contract job on the road for th- two and a half years and then for the past like year or so you've been working on your own ventures so what was kind of the the thought process with leaving uh you know kind of a secure safe job behind to start working on your own thing i make a horrible employee Um, (laughs) i i really don't like being an employee i don't like being told what to do i like doing my own thing and you know it was a huge risk to say goodbye to a steady paycheck because I really, I didn't have another income stream. I just got to the point where it's like, I need to leave this position or I'm going to go insane because I truly make a horrible employee and I wasn't happy in my job. And I said, you know, money comes and goes. And, you know, if, if I eat all my savings away, that's fine because I'm pursuing something that will ultimately make me happy. And yes, it's taken a lot longer than I had hoped to start making money, but you know, it's all good. It's all good in the end. That's a hard gap to bridge. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like I've done it in different ways where there's been periods of time where I'm just doing everything because you know, I'm the thing like right now we're, we're working to get campground booking profitable. We just got our first big 
contract for for that business on the software side of things. So it's like, but it's been a year of building this thing out and not yeah. producing any revenue. And so it's like, oh, instead of just running that business, you know, also, you know, we're still doing everything else, client content, doing all this other stuff that is paying the bills and then working to get to that ultimate thing that I want to pay the bills. And we've also done that thing where throw caution to the wind, you know, like throw all the papers off the desk and buy an RV and travel around the country for a year and just figure it out with no plan B. And we, we did it and we succeeded. And there was periods of time where we had to eat peanut butter and jelly for a couple of weeks because we didn't have enough money. But, you know, so we kind of went both ways. Like one is kind of like working all hours of the day, trying to do everything, going a little bit crazy, but it's kind of the safer route. And it sounds like at least in this scenario, you decided to throw everything up in the air and just say, screw it. I'm done being an employee. But how do you hedge your bets? Like, did you did you come up with some type of financial runway for, you know, spending for the next year? Was there a time runway that you needed to be producing revenue by a certain point? Otherwise, you're going back to a job. Like, what is what does that look like as as far as uh, in this past year? Yeah. So my time runway was, I think I gave myself six months and obviously that got extended. So, you know, I didn't totally throw caution to the wind. I about 10 years ago, I had uh, created a website that generated revenue. And so I, and that went very well for a handful of years. And, um, so it's not like I was starting from scratch. I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I had a, a vision of what I wanted to do. The problem was I foolishly decided to go down the same road that I had gone down 10 years ago doing the exact same thing, and I wasn't passionate about it. I, I and didn't. What, was, what was that other website? It was uh, reviewing small business products and services like virtual telephones, uh, virtual fax, that kind of thing. Gotcha. And it just, while I understood the product, I, like I said, it, it just didn't excite me. It didn't do anything for me. And oddly enough, back when I was talking to my business partner, Kelly, about uh, starting a website, uh, the idea of doing an RV one was tossed around. And I foolishly said, no, we can't make any money doing that. You know, what are we thinking? And you know, hindsight being 2020, I should have been a little smarter about it and started Camp Attic back then. But, you know, live and learn. Yeah. So how long did you work on that first one before you decided this wasn't this was boring and you didn't want to do it anymore? Yeah. So we worked on that about seven, eight months and it didn't generate any revenue. Uh, it was just really getting to the point of what are we going to do with this website? Um, we're getting tired of working on it. It's not making any money. What do we do? You know, do we panic now and go get a real job or do we pivot? And were you working on this full time just about? Yeah. Yeah. We were working on it full time. So we put a lot of hours into it. A lot of hours. So I was sitting in the, uh, well, we were both sitting in the, the desert of Southern California, just outside Yuma doing uh doing the winter thing and i had this idea i said well maybe we can make money at doing an rv website so i went to kelly and i said oh how am i going to sell this to kelly because we already rejected this idea once she's (laughs) going to think i'm crazy and uh yeah sure enough when i approached her she's like what are you talking about and so she had to think about it for a few days and then finally said okay let's do it you know, this, this original website is not working out. And then from there, it kind of just snowballed. I mean, we, we plotted and planned and, 
and figured out what Camp Attic should look like and looked at the competition and decided uh, we could make a go at this. And so far, it's been great. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because you kind of have to set certain metrics, even if they're mental on, you know, like, when is this not going to be successful? Because you work on something eight months, it's kind of easy. It's a sunk cost at that point. So it's like, it's pretty easy to just say, I'm going to keep going because, you know, one, you're like, I'm not having fun at this. And two, I don't really believe in it. And three, the market's showing me there's not really any long-term value in what is happening here. Yeah. Totally. And you're right. I mean, you're invested in something eight months and it's really difficult to say, okay, we're done with that project when it's not producing anything because you're thinking, you know, I put this much time and effort into it and it's not producing anything. It's just really frustrating and and really difficult to uh, walk away from that. Yeah. What made you at ease with walking away from that? Was it just the knowledge that you didn't really believe in it? Yeah, the drive wasn't there to to keep pursuing it. I mean, the drive was never there. And then coming to terms with the fact that the drive was never there, you know, literally the only reason why I chose that topic was because I had success with it before. So I had an idea how to do it. But, you know, the marketplace had changed substantially in the years since I had the original website that uh, I was fooling myself to think that we could actually be competitive in the marketplace today. And it took me eight months to realize that. And, you know, just, just having a long, hard conversation, being real and understanding that this was going nowhere and we needed to do something drastic. It's so easy to kind of just jump into what we know. It's like, oh, I know this, it's familiar, and I've done it before. And it's kind of interesting, interesting thing, because usually that means like, I I understand it, and I'm going to, I can do well at it. And my, my bets are a little bit hedged here, because I've got understanding. But in this scenario, it actually played out the opposite. Yeah, backfired. backfired. (laughs) I would have, you know, it, it on, on, on the surface, it, it was a good idea, but I didn't think it through well enough. And it backfired totally. So you guys are, you, you said seven, eight months in that you're going to pivot, work on Camp Addict. And one of the things that's been cool about this podcast, and I'm kind of guess giving myself a compliment here, uh, is, is like trying to not set crazy expectations. Like sometimes uh, people come on the podcast and their you know businesses are already thriving and they're already doing really well. And that's interesting because you can kind of pull little nuggets of wisdom because they went through this process and but sometimes when you're having those conversations, you look back and you're like, okay, well, it's all a little bit sugar-coated because at this point you can kind of narrate this full story and kind of go through it and yeah. make it seem a little bit better than it was potentially. So you guys are, are still very much in the trenches of trying to get traction with Camp Addict. So how long have you been working on it and like where are you guys currently at in the business as far as like traction goes? I see that you probably have like 15 – ish re- like long lengthy reviews does that sound about or just i don't know kind of give me a little bit yeah. of context of where you guys are at at this point yeah so uh when we made the decision in january to do the pivot we decided to be a little smarter about it this time and actually plan things through and figure out what we wanted camp addict to look like and so obviously the planning process took a while you know and finding the name and all that stuff that goes along with that it took a while for us to do that we didn't actually publish our first review until uh, March, I believe it was. And yeah, I, I don't know, we got 15, 20. I don't know. I've lost track of, I, I don't know the exact number we have up there. We, we're 
just scratching the surface of the content that we want up there right now. So we are very much in the infancy. Um, we are really happy with the reception that it's received so far from the people that know about it. Of course, it's always difficult to get the word out about a new website. And so that's what we're dealing with right now is getting the word out and getting content up there. It's just Kelly and I and this long form content that we've chosen really takes a really long time to research and put together and put out a quality piece of content. It just takes an incredible amount of time. So it's going slower than I'd like, but I'm very happy with the results so far. Yeah. So you guys are now 10 months into this one. And yep. what what has been the factors that have let you know that this is something you want to continue pursuing? So it's a couple fold. Um, one is the reception, the comments that we get. People contact us quite frequently saying, you know, this is awesome. This guy that I just read on whatever, you know, really answered the questions that I had and clarified things for me. And so we're the feedback that we're getting, the reception that we're getting, and the fact that we're actually making money. So, uh, you know, we're nowhere near the income level that we need to be at, but it's growing month over month. And that is, you know, both our traffic and our income is growing month over month. And that's really telling us that this will work. And considering the fact that we've only scratched the surface of the topics that we want to cover on the website, uh, we see huge potential for Camp Addict. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the website is reviews and lengthy guides of sorts for various products. I'm pull, yep. pulling up the website now. So, I mean, you guys have everything on here right now. I'm trying to get through this one on uh, surge protectors. So RV surge yeah. protectors for 2017, this review, this thing has to be I don't even know, 5,000 words or more. Yeah, 5,000 5, is a little on the short side. This That one I think is closer to eight, Okay, um, seven or eight. Wow. And so the thought with this is you guys creating these insanely long, well-researched guides uh, and reviews, and the idea being that uh, eventually you'll be ranking organically in Google and that you guys can monetize the website through affiliate revenue. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, exactly. The idea is we took a look at the marketplace and we saw, first of all, that there's no single website trying to do what we want to do. There is a whole bunch of websites that dabble in it. Anything from personal blogs where people do product reviews of something that they like and then they stick an Amazon affiliate link in there in the hopes that you know they'll generate some revenue to there are automotive websites that try to do the RV reviews, but you read them and you think, huh? You know, because knowing what the product really is and, and what it's all about, you read these reviews and say, first of all, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Second of all, I, I would be shocked if this person has ever actually set foot in an RV or even <laughs> knows what one looks like because they're just talking about stuff that makes no sense. So we surveyed the marketplace and said, you know, there's there's no real one-stop shop for quality information from people who actually know what they're talking about. And that's the angle that we're taking. No, I love it. 
this site's just laid out really well. And a lot of the reviews and things like that, you come on so many RV sites are extremely outdated. And so, you know, you can tell which ones were built in like the nineties or early two (laughs) thousands because they they haven't been updated since. And it's like, I need the information, but I also can't look at flashing HTML headers because I, it's against, it's against my religion. My eyes hurt. This, yeah, that, that, that's another thing is the, when we're doing the research competition, I'm going, hello, 1980 wants your website back. I mean, actually, they don't, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's horrible. It's like I don't understand why these people don't update their websites. And I guess they get away with it because there is no competition. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about how much traffic you need uh, for a website, because, I mean, we do we do some affiliate uh, stuff on our website. We get about close to 100,000 page views a month on our blog. It's not a lot, but like super niche in the RV industry. It's it's a it's not bad. Like it's a we're you know, continuing to grow that and push that. And so we have some affiliate posts that rank well in Google and that provides good residual income. But like how quickly with two founders, do you think you're able, you're going to be able to get this up and running to a livable amount? I guess this is what you did with your other website. You know, like you got it up to a sustainable amount. Yeah. It's a little different because the game has changed. I mean, the the website that I started uh, eight, 10 years ago, I was able to do what's known as thin content and, and be able to rank, you know, thin content being there's not many words on the page. Uh, these now you days, need 8,000. Yeah. Now you need uh, substantial content and it, and it's paying off. I mean, we are able to rank for keywords, uh, you know, our target keywords based upon the quality of the content alone. We don't have that many links from relevant websites yet, and that's something that we're working on, but the content alone is a key ranking factor. And, uh, you know, Google says that if you're able to best answer the person's query, then you're going to win. And that's the goal. But um, to answer your question, you know, I, I would I would love to be making a sustainable amount of money come next camping season, you know, next summer. And my goal right now for the rest of the year is to just just put traveling on pause and dedicate 100 percent of my energy towards building out content on the website and get it to a point where, you know, set it up for the next camping season, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what all goes into creating one of these guides? Like if somebody, uh, I'm not trying to spur off competitors because one, I don't think we even could because it's, I know how much work goes into it. So even if everybody (laughs) knew like what goes into it, like, I don't think you really have to worry about it because you know, like they're not, people are lazy. Exactly. So I'm not one of those people that are like, Oh, I'm going to hoard like ideas. Cause I'm like, you're not going to do it anyway. And if you do, it's probably not going to be that good. So like looking at one of these guides, like how long do these take to produce? And Mm. I guess we can dig in a little bit, nerd out a little bit on the SEO stuff. Like how long has it taken you guys to show up organically in Google for some of these, uh, you know, like best portable propane fire pit for camping in 2017? (laughs) Like that is specific. Like you put a lot of thought and effort into these, into some of these titles and things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge amount that goes into developing a website like this. It's not as simple as I'm going to write an 8,000 word piece of content, throw it up there and boom, the money's going to flow in because it doesn't work that way. I had the knowledge from my previous experience of a decade ago of what it takes to do SEO and how to work that angle. So I've you know got a pretty good understanding of keyword research and what keywords 
are worth ranking for and which ones aren't. You know, that's a whole you know gray area or or take some knowledge and experience to figure that out so here's the process we've got a long list of potential subjects for guides and we'll go in there and we've sort of ranked them as this is what we need to do first because it will have the largest payoff so once we come to a, a subject i'll do the keyword research and make sure that there's an audience for this. I'll look at the competition, see what's out there, and see if we've got a chance of ranking. And then once I green light that, I hand it over to Kelly, and she does the guide portion, if you will. She'll spend however long it takes her to do the guide uh, portion, and then I'll come back and I'll do the review portion, and also then add to the guide. And so it's a really long, involved process. It takes weeks to put one of these pages out. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's not easy. It's, it, it's, it takes weeks of working full time to do something. And there's no guarantee that it's going to work. Now to, to the point of how long it's taken us to rank, initially it took forever to rank anything because, you know, we were new. We didn't have the reputation in Google's eyes, uh, we're slowly building that up and we are uh, able to rank a lot quicker when we throw up a new piece of content. You know, I mean, I would love to throw up a new piece of content and then the next day be number one in Google. Well, that, it doesn't work that way. So it still takes a while, but uh, we're talking weeks rather than months if I target the right keywords. And so you're essentially using uh, key, uh, Google AdWords, like keyword planner and trying to find uh, searches like high monthly search volume of keywords that is relatively low in competition and that has like a decently priced product. So you guys can get a decent affiliate cut. Is that about sound about right? Yeah. I mean, we don't use Google, uh, Google AdWords for the keyword because that, uh, they've really changed the way that they display data and it's pretty much useless. Uh, we actually use a tool that, uh, costs us, it's pretty much a car payment a month, Wow! but you know, you've got to invest in the tools in order, in order to get quality results. So yeah, there's a tool that we use. Uh, there's several very good ones out there. We just, you know, choose this one particular and um, use that to gauge the uh, search volume for a particular category. And then, you know, then I'll also go in and, like I said, manually review the competition to see what's out there. And then, yeah, obviously, we've got to have products on Amazon that uh, will support that category. And the products should be, you know, it's, I look at it two ways. One, you can do high dollar products that have a lower volume and try to make your money that way. Or you can do a lower dollar product that's got high volume and make your money that way. So we, we go both ways. A lot of it has to do with the need. We actually do look at the need and say, you know, Hey, this would be pretty cool to put up on the website. You know, as long as all these boxes are checked, it may be a product that only costs, you know, 20, $30, but it's high volume and it's something that our viewers need. So we're not just going after the, you know, thousand dollar nut product to, to feature on the website. What, what is something that a lot of people do wrong 
when it comes to writing copy that ranks well in Google's SEO? Because it's one of those things that's always changing. So if you're looking at what a lot of people are doing, what's one kind of common thing that people are doing wrong that Google doesn't like? They're putting up thin content. They're not writing enough. They're not answering the query. They're not answering the question. They're doing the bare minimum just to throw something up in the hopes that Google will say, oh, well, this page is about solar panels. We will rank them. Well, that used to work. It doesn't work anymore. Uh, You've got to put up quality. Quality, quality, quality is the name of the game these days. And quality takes a really long time. So people try to take shortcuts and you know, either write about something that they don't understand so they don't uh, aren't able to put enough words on the page or they'll just ramble on and make no sense. And I think I think the, the main problem is people are trying to go after the get rich quick scheme and because they hear all these stories about how people are making money online. And in the reality, the world doesn't work that way anymore. There is no get rich quick online. Absolutely. And and if there is, there you are doing something very, very wrong that's not going to be sustainable. Uh, yeah. I mean, we we started blogging in 2011, and now it's 2017. And since 2014, you know, it's been like 60 to 120 or more posts a year for us, like as a team, me and Alyssa. And just a, like a year, a couple of years ago, we really started like, okay, we want to be intentional on trying to create more passive income streams because, you know, we want to get out and explore and we want to be able to take on projects that we want to take on, but we also want to do it in an authentic way. So it's like 2014, 2015, we made like $0 from our website. So it's like two years of just tons of blogging, uh, learning the craft, uh, getting better at it. And then uh, last year, you know, started getting a little bit of traction. And this year we've hit, I think we're at like 27, like micro streams of income all from our website that we kind of consider like passive, including like a couple of affiliate blogs that have started to do pretty well that had no idea that would do well, but it was just like really lengthy guides and reviews. And my, I think my issue is like, I, I would like to do more of them, I just don't buy a bunch of stuff. Like I, and, and that's one thing for me, that's almost been like a detriment because like we just got out of student debt and we, we haven't been like super consumers on the road. And like, even as RVers, like we don't even buy enough RV stuff that would probably make our lives better solar. But, uh, and that's one thing I guess going forward (laughs) is like, it, it can, if you can buy stuff with a mentality that you can review it really well as a content creator, like you can probably make your money back in some cases, if you're pretty good at what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you've got to understand what Google's looking for as far as, you know, you got to understand how to research keywords. You've got to understand how to write the good content. That is, that answers the question when people are wanting to research solar, you know, what are they looking for? And it's really hard to write content that way. Uh, And, you know, most people have day jobs and they don't want to spend weeks writing one piece of content that may or may not pay off. Um, they're just not interested. They're more interested in, in spending their free time doing something else. So that's, it's a lot of work involved and people just aren't willing to do it. What's the best resource that has helped you learn SEO? Wow. Hard to answer that question because I've been a student of SEO for so many years. Or just kind of one that you maybe listen to or read or just if somebody wants to learn more. So there's a website called Backlinko, 
that's run by a gentleman called Brian Dean. Uh, he writes very lengthy posts on SEO and uh, he only publishes maybe once a month. And, you know, he's, he's living proof that you don't have to publish every other day to rank well. You just have to publish really good content. And uh, he's a really good source if you want to learn about doing SEO. Awesome. I will link up to him in the show notes. Last question for you, Marshall, is how do you define success in this lifestyle? Is your building camp addict and, uh, you know, blogging a little bit at Finding Marshall and uh, traveling around the country in RV? So I define success by, am I enjoying what I'm doing? Is this still fun for me? Is this still fresh? Is this still exciting? Am I still enjoying myself? That's really how I define success. And I suppose the day that I wake up and say, oh man, I've got to, you know, figure (laughs) out where to go next week. And I'm really got to figure out where I get water and all this stuff. And it becomes a grind. That's when it's time to find some other way to enjoy my nomadic genes. <laughs> well, where can, uh, where can people learn more and connect with you online? So my personal blog is uh, findingmarshall.com or of course, campaddict.com. You can connect with me at either of those places, uh, contact forms. And uh, for the RVers out there, I would appreciate you checking out Camp Addict and let, letting us know what you think about it. Awesome. And I'll link up to Camp Addict in the show notes as well. Thanks for being on the podcast, Marshall. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in this episode with Marshall. Make sure to go say hi to Marshall at Finding Marshall and check out Camp Addict. Tell him what's up. Tell him you enjoyed him being on the podcast and that you enjoyed our conversation. It always means so much whenever you guys reach out to the guests that are on the show and just let them know and send them a little thank you. One big thing that we're going to be doing on an upcoming episode is that Alyssa and I are going to sit down and really just kind of give a recap of some of the biggest things that we've learned in 2017, some of the things that we've kind of been struggling with uh, as we've been growing our business and traveling around the country in an RV. And so I know that we've gotten requests from time to time to have Alyssa back on the podcast. So she is going to be joining me to talk about some of our biggest key takeaways from 2017 and what we're most excited about looking forward to 2018. Thank you guys again for listening and for thank you guys again so much for listening and I'll see y'all next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.